Dude, it's uh, nice to it's nice to meet you, man. Happy Friday, all of that. You as well, Ben. Appreciate you uh, having me join here. Looking forward to it. This will be cool. Me too. Me too. I'm 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 super down. I think um, so. We'll go ahead and get started in a second. Um, any questions, sort of like high level? I think we can we can just think about sort of marketing practices. You know, well, it's an easy conversation. I think. Um, yeah. Toward. I think because um, I, I also see like the business of law marketing updates that you've done. So, I mean, if we start with marketing, which will eventually likely lead to sales and biz dev and could parlay into tech, like yeah. it's literally what I do all day, every day and for the past decade and a half. So, so you're, you're all good. What, uh, so you're based in New York, right? Or Jersey? I am. Uh, yeah, cool. In the city. New York. You're in the city? Um, I was, well, not the city, but I was in Hoboken for 12 years cool, cool. And, and my wife and I, um, very, very naive first time father, but we had twins and I just thought, oh, I'll close the door and I could still work. Yeah, that lasted maybe a month during the pandemic. And uh, we got a spot now in, in Westchester County in New York so they can, they're running around. Outside. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Good, 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 good for you guys. I'm sure uh, backyard's important. You know, I grew up, uh, I grew up in Florida. I'm like, uh, you know, suburban Florida outside green grasses, all of that kind of stuff is the best, you know. Uh, and, and now you're in Chicago. I'm in Chicago and I was in New York for seven years, actually. That's where we started Nexel. Um, okay. and, then, um, and then my partner, she, she went to school and, you know, we still have uh, we actually don't have any people at the time. We had two salespeople that were in New Jersey. So it was nice, but yeah, we just relocated to Chicago and yeah, we'll see. I mean, she's finishing grad school now at uh, a university of Chicago. And then after that, we'll, we'll go from, go from there and figure it out. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And you, and you're also, you're a licensed attorney or you're just not practicing. Yeah. You know, I, I still pay my bar. I still pay my bar license, but I haven't practiced probably. And let's see, you know, my, my founding story is like, um, I was like 29. I was trying this, this case against this large pharmaceutical company. And, uh, somehow I, I convinced the partners to like, basically get me this e-discovery thing that I needed to, cause I, I couldn't find what they were looking for. You know, the, the pharmaceutical company, we were like a boutique, like law firm of like 50 something people. Um, and we were going against, I mean, it's like Mylan. I don't know if you know what that is, but yeah. giant, giant, giant corporation, basically. Um, and for some stupid reason, I was like running this entire like product liability case against this thing. It's like, it's because I studied biology and, and, uh, and, and, and so he's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, do it. Um, so anyway, biologist, of course. Right, exactly. Like, you know, my four fucking classes that I took at Villanova. Um, oh, man. Oh, uh, did you? Temple. My sister. Oh my went God. To there you go. <laughs> and my other sister went to St. Joe's. I'm like, to my parent, you couldn't just move to PA to help us out with the tuition here. Anyway, oh, sorry. No, the whole thing. But yeah, anyway, so I convinced like, you know, the partners. And at the time I was like, we're going to lose this huge case. And I mean, there's shitload of damages. You should just invest in this thing. And I, you know, I was like the millennial 29 year old who like understood anything. But, um, you know, I did it. And basically, you know, the company found and the e-discovery platform found in like six hours when I couldn't find in like six months, you know, basically. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I'm pretty sure like, you know, I've, I've read that Wayne Gretzky quote, go to where the puck is going, you know? And so, I, well, I took a, I took my first vacation in like four years. I went to Thailand, you know, paid vacation, came back and I was like, peace, I'm going to go move to New York and I'm going to get into tech. And I started my own tech company with like every wasted my entire savings basically on it somehow, like got down, carved back a little bit of money whenever I set, I, uh, 
I, I, I uh, sold the entire platform for like, you know, the next three months of rent or whatever. So I could just make it. <laughs> Long story short, whatever. Now, Bell, this is what this is where I'm at. So this is kind of like, yeah, my story is out. Anyway, long story short, I um, I still pay my bar dues because you know, at the end of the day, I still have this idea that I'm gonna go back into back into law firms and bring all of the tech and rev ops and marketing and sales and all of that acumen and sort of come in and you know get some get some cushy job, do next to nothing and just get it like a nice salary and and then be a partner too, because I can be an actual owner as, as a as a law as a lawyer basically. So that's my whole that's my whole retirement plan. <laughs> hey and, and depending upon how fast the legal industry moves, you head out to Arizona or Utah and you know get a partner that wants to practice and just run the business. Yeah, totally. It's a whole thing. Yeah, definitely. We'll see how it goes. But for right now, I work in tech. Tech's fun, you know, grows fast, lots of moving parts. Um, but yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's roll in. How sure. do we uh, get this Friday going? Um, I'm going to do a countdown really quickly. Oh, we're actually already recording. Don't worry about it. We're, uh, we'll, we'll cut this out. Um, all right, cool. Uh, so I'll just do a countdown um, and uh, just... Uh, Triple checking background, last names pronounced uh, Lats. Is that right? You got it, Lats, correct. Lats, okay, cool. Um, VP sales, customer success, uh, Mockingbird marketing. All right, nice. Um, cool. Let me just count this down. Let me close Teams because that's, that's just a whole bear of a program. Um, okay, uh, two seconds. Wait. Are you? You still here? I'm here. Where? Where did you go? Hold up. <laughs> you have no. I just lost you on your screen. There's no camera. You want? Wow. I, I'll turn it on and off again. Hold on. Uh, dude, my machine is like going insane. There's no window. Is it uh the? <laughs> The uh, the view speaker sometimes the speaker like minimizes to nothing. Yeah. Hold on, did I do this? Hold on, exit min exit minimal view. Okay, dude, there I got you back. Yeah. All right, there we go. All right, ready? Um, mocking mockingbird marketing. Take one. All right, three, two, one. Okay, hello and welcome everybody. This is Ben Chiriboga, the head of growth at Nexel, coming to you with another business of law podcast where we basically speak to consultants, law firm leaders, uh, and everyone in between about what is top of mind uh, in the business of law. Today, I have uh, the pleasure of sitting down with Ron Latz, who is the VP of Sales and Customer Success at Mockingbird Marketing. And uh, we're really gonna kind of do a deep dive on what's working right now um, in the world of marketing to general counsel, high value clients, um, and how you wanna go ahead and approach them maybe a little bit differently, um, those key clients and getting into those key accounts. So Ron, welcome to the Business of Law podcast. Happy to have you here. Ben, thanks. I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, we can go on and on about marketing and sales and biz dev and tech as it all relates to legal. So I look forward to, to the discussion. Absolutely. Me too. So why don't we start with uh, kind of like your potted background. Uh, we were talking off camera where uh, we both spent some time in the in the Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area in school. I think you're probably originally from there, maybe if, I, if I'm not sure. But yeah, how did Ron Latz get into legal marketing and uh, mocking, Mockingbird marketing and everything in between? Um, well, doesn't everyone grow up wishing to be uh, 
a marketer uh, to, to attorneys and law firms. Uh, 100%. <laughs> I, I, always, I always had an interest just in business and, and really building things. And um, my, my foray just into my professional career was more sales driven because I really enjoy just meeting new people like yourself, um, uncovering new businesses and just forging those connections that really allow us to help one another. Um, that's what a lot of sales really comes down to, those relationships, helping, providing value. Um, but that first sales role was with Xerox. And this was back when, you know, larger companies were investing significantly in training their resources. So, you know, they sent me down to Leesburg, Virginia. It was about a six month training. And I, I, I fell in love with, with sales, right? It was just something that I really enjoyed. And I decided after Xerox to kind of jump into the tech startup space. Uh, that's where I learned Manhattan inside and out. And um, from there, an opportunity arise where I was able to kind of go and continue the sales career with Reuters. Um, and within Reuters legal division, I worked for Fine Law for a handful of years. And that's where I was really exposed to just working with attorneys, right? I was a, an account executive, but I was working with small to medium-sized firms mm. with all of their marketing and advertising efforts, right? So it was, it was a great marriage of my skill sets as well as, you know, the challenge of essentially just working and negotiating with professional negotiators, right? Like I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and prior to me departing from uh, fine law, I still thought I want to stay within sales, but if I want to continue down this path as a, a lifelong career, I need to get into tech software and I, and I got to sell them to an enterprise. Yeah. And I was able to do that with a, a company called Pro Unlimited, um, where I was still working with general counsel or in-house counsel because we help provide a service and a solution so that organizations can mitigate misclassification and co-employment risk with their contractors. Right. Uh, but meanwhile, I still had some consulting engagements, even years after leaving Fine Law, from some of my flagship clients that really tapped me in to safeguard their investments because they felt like, like the wool was being pulled over their eyes. They were being shown metrics that didn't produce any tangible business results. And I kind of slowly started building my own business consultancy, Tetra Peak. Yep. And you know, six months before the pandemic, I had I had left. I started my own shop, and then um, over the course of COVID, I continued to develop a relationship with vendors uh, that my clients were using. I was completely neutral, didn't care to me who they worked with as long as it was a market competitive price and they get good product. Yep. Um, started talking with Conrad Sam, who was very instrumental in the building of AVA Legal Directory, founded Mockingbird Marketing a decade ago. Um, and we were very much in line with the, our approach to evaluating and, and understanding if legal marketing has been effective for a law firm. Yeah. And it's, you know, been just under two years. I'm, I'm building out customer success, digital strategy, as well as our sales function. And uh, I work exclusively with attorneys all day, every single day. Yeah. Amazing. So how, um, that's, that's incredible journey. And uh, everybody definitely go check out, connect with, connect with Ron on LinkedIn. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, that's, that's, that's an incredible journey as you, as you did. Um, so how do you, um, 
you know, when, whenever you think of difference, maybe just to unpack that Tetra Pak versus Mocking, uh, Mockingbird, is there a little bit difference in, in terms? Because I know you still, uh, you still have both going on in, in some capacity. And of course, I sort of see the interrelationship between the two of them. But just to help understand, I mean, there's a lot of viewers out there who, who you know, today's, uh, today's career is, is baked in with a lot of different sort of like paths, sometimes like side hustles. I don't like that term, you know, but uh, regardless, you know, we can do a lot of things because we have a lot of leverage now. Technology affords uh, many, many things, uh, more, more, more product, more output from the input basically. So how does Tetra Pak work with, with Mockingbird, I think? So originally, right, it was offering fractional CMO services. Well, and essentially, I wasn't doing any backend or tactical execution. I was more so driving strategy, ensuring that vendors and consultants were in alignment with the goals and objectives of the firm. And you know, my, my positioning there, my value prop was, I was safeguarding their marketing investment, right? Like they didn't have that individual that you know, kind of looked out for their best interests. And I, and I get it, I've been in sales roles my entire career. Obviously we were motivated by many, many things. Um, one of them is, obviously selling our, our company's products, services, and solutions. Um, but re regardless, you know, Tetra Peak then kind of morphed more into business development coaching for professional services, right? So as, as my responsibilities continue to pile on at Mockingbird, obviously my involvement with Tetra Peak has somewhat taken a, a, a backseat um, over the past like six to eight months. Really, I've worked more focused with uh, accountants actually, but um, right right now the, the there is no real blend because hundred most mostly ninety nine point nine percent really uh, of my focus is towards building out what we are building here at Mockingbird Marketing, and we're full service as far as web design, dev, SEO, ads, and really this whole uh, technology CRM like business intelligence arm of our organization because as you know very well sure. as the industry continues to mature and evolve yep. and maybe this was pressed by the pandemic or it, yeah. it certainly was but more of these firms are adopting technology and virtual services and solutions to meet their customers where they want to be met yeah so um that that's that's really the difference there i, I wasn't devving designing or doing anything yeah. with Whereas we have all of those services that are available to offer that to Mockingbird and other clients as well. Awesome. So why don't we, uh, you said something here that piques everybody's interest, even in, uh, even in September 2022. Um, we're coming out of uh, the pandemic, in quotation marks, obviously. Um, where, what do you think are the lasting effects and what do you think's sort of top of mind for people as we as we come out of the pandemic into this new era into this new era of uh legal marketing business development but we can combine those things and almost say go to market strategy as we come out of the pandemic what are what are some lessons maybe learned what do you think is has is going to stick what do you think is not going to stick and then more importantly where's people's heads at i think whenever 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 you take a look at that sure well, what's very similar to the onset of the pandemic and now as we you know, head towards uh, lesser economic times and a recession is the decision that lawyers and, and law firm owners have to come to grips with is whether or not to pull back mm -hmm. pain or double down their investments in marketing. Yeah. 
And I would say the majority of firms that I worked with two and a half to three years ago that pulled out of the market lost significantly more uh, incremental market share than they had expected. And in order for them to kind of play catch up a little bit, they, they're doing things that might not necessarily drive results, but they think that that's how they're going to make up uh, for the, the, the missed opportunity that the pause in marketing really occurred. Very similar to those that were put in the same position and opted to double down um, and try to capture additional market share, right? Those are the firms that you now pretty much see at top of the results, yeah. dominating the map pack and continue to cause frustrations to competing firms that once had those illustrious positions online. Um, and that's, that's only taking digital into consideration, right? Right. The PI firms that were heavy into TV and radio and billboard that pulled out, right? You see that directly in not only your traffic, but your inbound qualified opportunities that are generated. Right. Once those opportunities are made available to others and, and they, they take advantage of them, right? They're, they're going to take your place um, in, in the minds of the consumers when I get into an accident, find myself uh, in a precarious situation criminally, or have to do some sort of family planning. Right. Um, so that's that's certainly one. I don't, I don't know if you've, you've seen that at Nexel, but um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I am. Um, so let's 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 go to the second part and actually let's couch it within the context of, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic and let's couch it within the context of our topic for today, which is, you know, high value clients. And sometimes that's like being proactive with your, with your business development, with your marketing, going after the, the, the clients that you really, really want to work with. Like, where, where are we right now from a go-to-market strategy toward that kind of like top 15, top 20% of your market that you're really going after? What's, what's working today? What are, you, what are you consulting with clients on? What are they interested in doing? Uh, whenever they come in and say, you know, we've lost people, let's get them back, or we'd like to expand in that way, or, you know, let's, let's, they don't know about us, but we really have identified them. What are people thinking about right now? Some have a, a shotgun approach and no one is really leading the charge internally, which is always a challenge because there's no one championing those efforts, you know, within the firm or leading by example or, or showing maybe younger associates, you know, the way uh, to success. Others might have just like those one or two or top three rainmakers at the firm that bring in all the work. So they don't necessarily believe that others should be spending the time networking and cultivating a, a valuable contact list in order to bridge relationships, be um, considered for referrals in the future, right? So that, that's going to vary very much uh, across the firm, especially small law, big law, you know, compared to small, medium to, to big law. Um, you know, when I when I first jumped into legal, and again, I, I was still I was selling to lawyers, like one of the things that I would do is, like, I got super involved in the young lawyers division. Yeah, right. the that I felt were going to have a, a similar mindset about technology and marketing, especially social. Mm -hmm. And if I could help guide them, yeah. whether that's put them on partner path or help them bring in new business, whatever it may be, sure. right, like, They'll remember Ron or they'll remember at that time, Fine Law or eventually Tetra Peak or Mockingbird that like, hey, like I, I wasn't a client, but he still pointed me in the right direction and gave me some solid advice. 
Sure. Um, and that doesn't mean like I'm buying people gift cards and just doing, you know, boozy lunches and happy hours. Like I would listen. Yeah. They would tell me what they are experiencing and what they're going through. Maybe a managing partner isn't listening to them or they're just kind of really skeptical about maybe a new piece of technology they want to bring into the firm. Sure. Right. There's this concept in sales, like you got to provide value, you got to provide value, but it's like, well, what does that actually mean, right? And it's it's helping that individual either be better at their job, give them more time with their family, work on more complex cases, right? Like doesn't necessarily mean like I got to bring more and more cases, more and more files to this, you know, partner to, to make them happy, right? Like they have challenges just like we all do. So how can you help those individuals put them in a better position to be more successful at what they are doing? Yeah. Providing yeah. case studies of how this may improve the administrative staff because our admins or paralegals are constantly doing data entry all day, right? Sure. Like sure, right. what would that do when it comes down to our bottom line? Um, many might not even know the first step of like jumping into social, but they tell marketing agencies, I wanna be on social media, sure. right? So, uh, my take is go and do it and then show them how, how it's going to produce results, right? Um, also, the, 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 the case study is, it's, it's just, it's not that I did X and this was Y. It's like, I did X, this was Y, and this was the impact of efficiency, revenue, lowering cost per conversions, right? Like bringing tangible data yeah. that is tied to whatever your goals or objectives are, or maybe revenue targets, and how does it impact that? Yeah. And those are the conversations that I try to have with potential you know, clients at Mockingbird, right? right. These firms out here, mm -hmm. 20 of the sales guys like we have that are every single day yeah. and I can improve your marketing. Like, yeah, that's right. an easy way to just get ignored, become a commodity and, and never, never get that call back. Yeah. Right. So, totally. so I think, um, you know, to tie this into the actual question, I think, I mean, you answered it beautifully, but to play something back to you, which is, Whenever it comes to high value clients, really the mindsets, I think what I'm hearing from you, the mindset tends to be around delivering value, but also delivering value in concrete ways for them based on sort of like problems that they're really looking for. And I think this is how you sort of distinguish or you can really sort of set yourself out with, with these sort of like with these top uh, with these top accounts. Like let's say you're a lawyer, right? Let's say you're a lawyer who's going after those top 10, top 15 accounts. What I just heard you sort of describe is, you know, put yourself in the mindset and put yourself in the shoes of, of who that client is, what they need, where they are at in their life, right? Whether What are the pains, gains, jobs to be done? I like that framework a lot. That's pretty mm -hmm. famous framework. Um, you know, map that out and really say, you know, how can I deliver value at any point in time, even if they really don't have a piece of work for me at this point in time? Is that is that kind of like a good summary in terms of in terms of what some of the maybe maybe a strategy for sort of top top clients proactive business development let's say yeah and i mean i'll throw two tactical options on top of that as well one if you're not on linkedin immediately join LinkedIn, get a profile and make sure that's complete and you have a headshot and then look at your mutual connections with that potential target if you will 
yeah. and see who might be able to facilitate just a brief introduction because they know that you're not just going to a pitch slap them or b you want to be respectful of the individual that made the referral but that's always going to be one of the best ways to to get into to open up a door that has remained shut right and that's kind of that's table stakes there if you don't have that individual and you don't know someone that is connected with them i'm sure you know other in-house counsel other general counsel other chief legal officers that are likely experiencing the same challenges problems that they are going through yeah right so get time on with them you could do something like you're doing with me yeah. right have video calls you can create content and essentially become visible and known for bringing those challenges to light and talking through them yeah. and eventually i mean you can get into a whole social share strategy yeah. how you incorporate that but at a minimum talk to the individual use their language understand what they go through every single day what are the things that would make their life easier and if you can somehow tie that to the service offering or the product or solution that you have and they're going through that yeah. man I'll tell you 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 send even one just greatly worded email that hits all of the things that they do go through every day like it's going to it's going to work. Like I, I know that it works. Sure. sure. So, now <laughs> I was gonna say I know a ton of people don't get responses. Like that happens too. I'm not saying it works. Exactly. But the juice is worth the squeeze, especially, especially. I mean, just think about one really well-worded email coming back with $150,000, $500,000 worth of work. I think the juice is worth the squeeze, basically. Um, so let's let's double click. I want to um, I want to go into two specific topics here. Um, the first is around social, and I think continuing this arc about coming out of the pandemic, what has sort of fundamentally changed? You know, at Nexo, we basically see two fundamental things, which is the first thing coming out of social, people are being more proactive with their business development. They understand that they have to really go into the market uh, because the market has basically gotten more competitive than ever before. And there's been a transformation over the course of the pandemic, which is, you know, effectively, effectively, um, so much more competition has sort of come up. I mean, I think we just see this in the numbers. Thomson Reuters, their uh, financial, their financial thing just came out, and basically, you know, it was like a spike for uh, the pandemic, and then basically flat, flat line in terms of like demand for legal services at that point in time. So they understand that if they want to keep on growing, they have to expand demand. Basically, um, the second is meeting buyers, meeting clients where they are at. And increasingly, the entire world is, of course, meeting in a digital environment, be it Zoom, be it from their house, be it lunch and learns off of, you know, uh, situations. If you're far out in AR, I know, haha, but like, obviously, that's, that's closer than everybody thinks. You know, closer to that, social media, people want to get to know you on the course of, through the course of social media, and they want to get to know you and the firm in the course of social media, because it's just so much easier, you know, it's just so much easier to meet somebody there. So why don't we double click on social media, because I think that's been the revolution change. I've been on LinkedIn for the better part of like 10 years, probably, and there has been nothing that has changed LinkedIn faster than the pandemic over the course of the last three or four years. The, the, the shift basically in terms of the amount of engagement, the, the type of quality, the what is acceptable basically off of that, you know, the combination of TikTok videos, memes, 
uh, comedy videos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It has just exploded. And that's basically, that's the gravitational pull basically. So yeah, what thoughts on, on social basically in that, in that paradigm today? I think you hit it on the head with the, the amount of lawyers that may have been sitting on the sidelines that wanted to jump in and attempt to be more social or engaged within communities that are online, right? Whether it's a Slack community, if you're in a Reddit thread, if you're on LinkedIn, like whatever it may be, they are trying to find other, uh, not even like-minded individuals, but in industry uh, connections that they can speak with, learn from, introduce and make referrals. Uh, the, the challenge that I see with the attorneys or some firms that have given it a go is they just throw in the towel too quickly. Um, and they're essentially evaluating their success based off of, you know, likes and impressions when that always isn't going to be the primary indicator of success. Um, lawyers are also incredibly risk averse. So like the industry on a whole to like go out and, and share this type of information always been taught to you, you, you keep that expertise close to the chest because that, that's why I get paid the big dollars. Right? Um, but those that I've seen out there that are incre incredibly active um, have a very strong following that essentially are like from a performance perspective on the outside are getting like these influencer numbers when you look at their comments and their reactions. Um, we have no idea what's happening behind the scenes, but is that resulting in, in revenue? And there are, there, there are individuals out there where I, I could say without even seeing the data, there's no way this is not bringing a direct increase to not just their awareness, but their, their inbound volume for potential clients. Okay. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, and I think, um, and I really do think more so than anything, it proves the more primary point, which is if you can get that much impression, if you can get that much engagement, if you can get that much eyeballs on you in, a, in an economy that is largely even more so distinguished between do you have attention or do you not have attention? You know, that's proving the case that there is audiences out there for basically that content um, if you would choose to engage. And a lot of that can just be expanded basically. You know, one, one, one influencer, let's say, can only reach a certain amount of people to begin with, right? So there's, there's so much more where it basically, where basically that is. So it's proved, I think it's basically proven the model that one, that's where your clients are. And two, they are absolutely paying attention. And three, they want to pay attention in that way. So I think those are three, three, three points that I've sort of like taken away. And um, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, it's been fantastic, which gets into my last question, which is if marketing, let's say if this is, this is fair, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between marketing and business development. In some ways, those two have blended more so than ever before. And yet to make them impactful, you have to keep them separate because they functionally are serving two different parts of basically the client and the buyer's journey. Mm -hmm. I like to think of this as marketing lets people know that you exist. Business development gets them to know to trust you, basically. But thoughts on thoughts on the current state of the of the ever popular marketing business development Venn diagram, and yeah, how you how you're thinking about those two, basically for, for firms. Yeah, I mean, the the blending of both of those functions has never been more more apparent, and I think as we continue with a shared responsibility, you're finding that marketing departments are now also 
tying their goals to revenue to be in more alignment with sales where previously it was all about, well, how many calls did this piece of content get or how many uh, inbound leads did this ad campaign generate? Um, which still, I'm not saying you, you toss those strategies out the window, but working in tandem with the individuals that, that you talk about, building that relationship to capture the demand created through marketing has to work in concert, right? Um, I think the best sellers out there are incredible marketers. Because (laughs) you need that. Like you need that in your tool set, unless you're talking to an an empty audience. They don't, you don't have the awareness. They don't know, like, and trust you. You're, you're just trying to sell them a product that comes off as self-centered because it helps with dollars in your pocket. Whereas when you're out there and, and Nexo does a great job of this, educating the market, yep. discussing the operations and technology and the implications that it has on the business of law, right? Yep. These, these are topics that are, are circling around the legal industry, right? So you're opening up the lines of communication to some things that are kind of talked about behind closed doors, bringing it out into the public to start some discussion and debate around why firms should consider looking at, for example, you know, deploying a RevOps function. Um, and that, that's where I see them both kind of working, you know, in tandem to, together. Um, yeah, they both have separate responsibilities and, and job duties, but you, you got to be in the same boat paddling in the same direction, unless it's going to be disconnected, your messaging and positioning is going to be out of alignment. It's just uh, leads to a, a lot less success than it would be if they work together. Yeah. Totally. Thanks for the plug for revenue operations. You know, that's a big dream, obviously, uh, bringing, bringing, bringing the firm to act as one firm. I think, um, I think it's, I think it's, uh, well, we're seeing incredible success. And I think firms are really sort of seeing the, uh, the writing on a wall in that capacity. Let's end a little bit by talking about your roles, responsibilities, Mockingbird, and, you know, how things are going right now. Want to give sort of a synopsis. What does, you know, VP of sales and customer success, that's interesting that those two go together. You want to talk a little bit about that? And then just in general, you know, what's the, what's the best way to sort of engage? How do you guys position yourself? What's, you know, where are you guys best in class and that kind of thing? Sure. Um, well, the, the role is is a bit unique, just given my, my experience uh, and really my skill set, having been in legal for as long as I have and the background in sales and business development uh, and working with attorneys for over a decade, I, I do understand what they are going through within unique competitive markets and what it takes to be successful. Um, so... Our customer success function in Mockingbird, because again, we're not selling a software technology and helping drive adoption, right? Like they come to us with a variety of systems and tools. So those individuals on my team have experience with the, with the breadth of legal technology software and help the attorney use it to the best of their ability, yep. to the best of our ability, right? Um, that individual is a hybrid project manager, account manager, and it's basically like a business intelligence and technology specialist because they oversee the overarching strategy and then the rest of it, the, the tactical and the execution is delegated down to digital strategists, which are also on my team. And they're 
um, segmented by specialty, whether it's purely SEO, purely performance marketing or local or social, depends on the scope of the engagement. Because I know those individuals, their skills, and the products that we offer, and obviously experience in legal, I also joined Conrad on almost every sales call at this point, because A, for doing this as long as I have, I, I kind of know the red flags and which firms I want to work with and which firms I do not want to work with. I also know if their expectations are realistic or completely imaginary. Mm -hmm. And based off of their personality and expectations and how they're going to evaluate success, I already then know the individuals on my team that'll likely be best to work on their specific account. So that's why it's kind of, it's both sales and customer success. And, you know, we're under 20 people. We're still a small company, but, you know, growing pretty aggressively in the past 18 months. Uh, I will slowly but surely take off some of those hats and, and really probably focus on sales and marketing. But I just, like I said, at the onset, like I love building. Um, I love helping our clients build. And uh, that's, that's why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing here today. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I would say jump on, jump on LinkedIn. You'll find uh, I post almost every single day. I'll comment on, on Ben's stuff and others others in the industry that are really doing a good job spreading the word, trying to let attorneys know, hey, this is the good, this is the bad, this is the ugly, like mm -hmm. make your own decision, but based off our experience, here's what it is. So I'd say, you know, jump on LinkedIn, join the conversation, reach out, connect. I'm always looking to learn and share, you know, with, with this industry because uh, it is, it's challenging. It keeps me on my toes and I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's end just really quickly with uh, with Mockingbird a little bit about uh, you know what what's what do you what do you guys what do you guys where do you guys position relative you know value proposition where do you guys best in class what's what kind of what kind of people are you loving to work out with uh, yeah give us a little little ICP talk uh, idea yeah. plan here. Uh, I mean, our bread and butter is SEO, and that's how the agency was started, you know, with Conrad, because he led those efforts uh, at ABO before starting the company. Um, I, would, I would put us up against any performance marketing uh, outfit in the industry today. I've worked with a ton of different companies throughout my career, consultants, freelancers, PPC specialists, and I think what we have in-house um, is borderline unparalleled with what the market has to offer. Um, a lot of people do the web design and dev stuff. We understand that. We have that function in-house too. Uh, but the other part of our business that really is growing is the technology and, and CRM side of the house, right? Um, there are a ton of technologies out there and a lot of our clients are really trying to connect that source attribution data with lead data into the matter management system. So Obviously, there are softwares out there that consolidate that. Others are disparate systems. So like connecting them can sometimes run into some challenges. Mm -hmm. So that's really what we're doing. Um, I would say, you know, ICP are, are firms that are looking to aggressively grow. Yeah. Uh, and I know that's broad, but, you know, we'll, we'll work with firms that have, hey, 5 million in annual revenue, but want to get to that six or seven in the next year or two. Um, mo most of them are kind of, uh, anywhere between 10 and 30 million in annual revenue that have a very diversified approach. Yeah. The, the best part about our best clients are that they do respectfully um, acknowledge that we are the experts in this field and they, 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 they rely on us for that. Right. Uh, no one wants us to tell our clients how to manage or litigate their files <laughs> or 
So, you know, firms that come on calls with us and say, you know, you're going to be the 12th agency I've worked with in seven years, we're probably not going to be a great fit for them. Um, Fair enough. (laughs) That's what we have. Got you. Well, Ron, this was an absolute pleasure. You know, I think we had the opportunity to really I liked sort of the couch around post-pandemic, you know, what's what what's working, what's not. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, for those firms that really do want to grow, I think two big things, you know, one is meeting your clients where they're at, be it digital or virtual, obviously a hybrid. And the second is diversified, right? And like really understanding that you have to invest to, to sort of like get back. And and that's that's across, you know, that's SEO performance, website, inbound, outbound, you know, all the rest of it. And then the third is, you know, getting the stack right. And making sure that, that that's that's important because if you don't have the data, you're basically flying blind whenever it comes to, especially whenever it comes to proactive marketing and business development, right? Nobody wants to basically waste time screaming into a void that nobody's like nobody's going to hear you or you know put a hundred thousand dollars into getting twenty thousand dollars back, right? Zero ROI. But uh, but you have to have the data to basically know that. So, yeah, that's it. Any last words? No, that's it. Thanks so much. Uh, I got to learn more about what you have going on over at Nexel on the roadmap that's coming up, but I appreciate the invite and look forward to uh, seeing you in the LinkedIn feed. 100%. Thanks everybody. This was another Business of Law podcast with Ron Latz, VP of Sales and Customer Success. Big title, big lots of responsibilities at Mockingbird Marketing. But uh, yeah, this was an absolute pleasure. If you like this video, watching it on YouTube, like, subscribe, all of that. Um, If you are watching it on the Business of Law, don't forget to um, uh, follow us on LinkedIn as well as uh, um, sign up for the newsletter. Best way to get all of the daily digests, all the weekly digests on really great Business of Law stuff. And Ron, of course, will be featured within that newsletter coming up. So thanks, everybody. Take care. uh, And we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Thank you.